You're listening to A Rose in Winter by Kathleen E. Woodowis, read by Jack Miller, especially for Jennifer Cruikshank. For a moment, she cocked a dark, finely arched brow above a baleful glare, which, with the chillingly beautiful smile, could have iced the heart of the fiercest opponent. Woe to the one this lass unleashed her ire upon. A drunken bellow from outside the house broke into her musings. Ariane! Recognizing her brother's voice, Ariane hastened into the entry hall, and with a heated admonition ready on her lips, threw open the portal to find Farrell Fleming leaning heavily against the door jamb. His clothes were badly mussed and spotted, his tan hair like so much tangled straw beneath his tricorn. It was obvious from a mere glance that he had been drinking and carousing the whole night long, and since the hour was near the eleventh before noon, most of the morning as well. Ariane, me own fair sister, he loudly greeted. Stumbling back a pace, he managed to reverse direction and lurched into the hall, flinging wide a spray of icy water from his sodden cloak as he passed his sister. Ariane glanced anxiously up and down the road to see who might have witnessed this debacle, and was relieved that on this miserable morn no one was about except a lone rider some distance off. By the time he came over the bridge and passed the cottage, he would see nothing out of the ordinary. Ariane closed the door and leaned against it as she frowned at Farrell. He had caught his good arm about the balustrade, and was trying to steady himself while he tugged feebly at the ties of his cloak. Ariane, give your little Farrell a hand with his rubbish, with his rubbish garment. I wouldn't leave me as I bid it. He grinned apologetically and lifted his crippled arm in helpless appeal. Fine time for you to be coming home, she admonished, helping him out of his recalcitrant cloak. Have you no shame? None, he declared, attempting a gallant bow. His efforts caused him to lose his precarious balance, and he began to totter backward. Ariane quickly caught a handful of coat and wedged a shoulder beneath his arm to steady him, then wrinkled her nose in distaste as the stench of stale whiskey and tobacco smoke filled her nostrils. The least you could have done was to come home while it was still dark, she sharply suggested. Out all night drinking and playing your games, then you sleep the day through. Have you no better pastime? Tis pure folly that I've been hindered from honest work and from holding me own this family. You can blame it on that setin devil, you can. He did this to me. I know what he did, she rejoined crisply, but that's no excuse for the way you're carrying on. Cease your harpin', wench. His words were more than slightly slurred. You're getting to sound more like an old maid every day. A good thing father hasn't in mind to marry ye off afore too long. Ariane ground her teeth in mute rage. Catching a firmer grip on his arm, she tried to direct him into the parlor, but staggered as he leaned heavily against her. A pox on the both of you, she snapped. One as bad as the other. Marry me off to any rich man who comes along so you can carouse your lives away? A fine pair you are. So... Farrell jerked his arm free of her and accomplished an adroit quick step for several paces into the parlor. When he regained his footing on the treacherously heaving floor, he faced his sister and timed his sway like any seasoned salt to the slowing motion of the room. You resent my sacrifice for your honor, he charged, trying to fasten an accusing eye on her. The task proved beyond his present capability, and he yielded to let his unruly gaze roam where it would. Me and father only wants to see ye fairly wed and safe from wayward rogues. My honor, Ariane scoffed. Setting arms akimbo, she regarded her brother with something between tolerance and pity. If you'd care to remember, Farrell Fleming, t'was father's honor you were defending, not mine. Oh. 
He was at once apologetic and humble, like a small boy caught in a prank. That's right, t'was father. He stared down at his lame arm, swinging it forward to draw her attention to it so he might elicit as much sympathy as possible. I suppose in a small way it was also for me, because I bear the Fleming name, Ariane mused aloud, and after Christopher Seton's slander of it, tis hard to ignore the gossip. Thoughtfully she gazed once more at the rain-swept landscape beyond the spattered panes, paying little heed to her brother, who was carefully weaving his way toward a whiskey decanter he had spied on a side table. Much to her disappointment, she saw the bridge was still intact, evidenced by the passing of the lone rider over its cobbled surface. The man appeared in no special hurry, but came steadily on, as if undaunted by the drizzle and assured of all the time in the world. Ariane wished it would be so with her. Heaving a sigh, she faced Farrell and immediately stamped a slender foot in vexation. He had set out a glass and was trying to work the stopper from the decanter with her, his good left hand. Farrell, haven't you had enough? Aye, t'was father's good name I was trying to defend, he mumbled, never pausing in his labor. His hand was shaking as he slopped the glass full. Memory of the duel haunted him. Over and over he heard the deafening roar of his own pistol firing and saw the astonishment and horror on the judge's face as the man stood with the kerchief still in his raised hand. The sight was permanently impressed on his mind. Yet at the time he had felt a strange mixture of horror and a blossoming glee when his opponent stumbled back, clutching his shoulder. The blood had quickly seeped through Seton's fingers, and Farrell had waited in frozen expectancy for him to crumple. Instead, the man steadied himself, and the surge of relief Farrell had briefly known was abruptly washed away in a tide of cold sweat. The full folly of firing before the signal was given struck him when Seton's weapon was slowly raised, for the bore of the pistol halted dead center on his chest. You challenged a man well beyond your experience, all because of a game of cards, Ariane chided. The buzzing in Farrell's head forbade the penetration of his sister's words. Paralyzed by the scene that slowly unfolded in his mind, he saw only the gaping boar that had threatened him that early morn, heard only the thunderous beating of his own heart, felt only the gut-wrenching terror that now tormented his waking hours. On that chilly morn, the sting of sweat had been in his eyes, but he had been too frightened even to blink, afraid that the slightest movement would bring a death-bound ball to slay him. The splintering panic had saturated him and torn at his nerve ends until, with a bellow of helpless rage and frustration, he had raised his arm and hurled the empty weapon at his foe, never realizing that the sights of the other's pistol were already lifting to the point above his head.